Hello and welcome to the latest Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm James Robson and I'm here with Stuart Brennan and Simon Bukowski. And today we're going to be talking about Monday's game against Everton, the game coming up against Bournemouth. Recording for today happened before the Champions League draw, so you'll have to excuse us if we fudge our way around that. But let's start. Stu, Monday, two points lost or a point gain? What do you think? Well, at the start of the game, you'd say two points lost without a doubt. You know, they needed a win. But bearing in mind what happened, you know, going a goal down and then down to 10 men, um, it was very encouraging the way City fought back in that second half. Um, I've just been writing a piece actually about about Pep's tactics and team selection. I think he got it wrong. I mean, you sort of think, who am I to say to question Pep Guardiola? But I think it was quite evident that it wasn't quite right what he did. Um, we saw that initially Danilo was on the team sheet, which then changed mysteriously. That was weird, wasn't it? it was very strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we got the team sheet. I scuttled off to do my Facebook live talking about the team news and. Uh, I got back to find out that no longer was uh, was Danilo in the team. It was now Leroy Sane, and you do wonder whether that was a little bit of shenanigan from Pep. He was trying to hide the fact that Sane was his left wing back right until the last moment. But anyhow, whatever it was, it didn't work because Sane was put under pressure right from the off by Everton, uh, and it it was his mistake that gave gave that started the move for the goal. And uh, you know, from from then on, City had the backs to the wall, and even more so when Kyle Walker went off. Um, the piece I've been writing is, is just about how Pep then had to start rejigging it. He really earned his call in that second half by uh, by making the changes that he did. I thought the three substitutions he made were absolutely spot on, um, and they got City back in the game. They got them on the front foot. I think Ronald Koeman missed the trick um, by not putting on a little bit of pace that could have hit City on the counter. City are very susceptible to pace with those those centre backs. Um, but having said that, all credit to Pep for rescuing a situation. But you know, I'm sure he'll learn the lesson that that situation perhaps shouldn't have arisen in the first place. The interesting thing with Sane was we heard from Brian Kidd talking in Tunnel Club beforehand. That was our first taste of City's coaching staff explaining team sheets. He said Sane was playing because he's more attacking than Danilo. But then Danilo comes on, uh, and actually it's his cross that leads to the goal. He forced probably the the best save. From um, from Pickford in that half, and also defensively, uh, it was Sane who who got them in trouble for the goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think at Brighton it was kind of attack against defence, and we had City's game plan. Is it going to work? It did in the second half, but Brighton's game plan was simply to defend, whereas Everton was the first sign that City aren't going to have everything their own way in the league this season. Koeman said they clearly identified Otamendi as the weakest of City's defenders. That was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. They let him have the ball. Yeah, and they did. But, but, you know, Otamendi's even weaker when you've got Sane alongside him. Um, And Calvert-Lewin really enjoyed himself down that side. And that's where Everton's goal came from. So, yeah, Sane, with the defensive responsibilities, needs needs looking at obviously Danilo played really well when he came on and with Walker being suspended you'd expect him to start as right wing back um, at Bournemouth I'm not sure whether you'd pick Sane again or not or try a different option well maybe we'll see we'll see Mendy at last won't we because uh, he's, he's back in training we hear and this is exactly the type of situation that makes you 
have to bring someone back, doesn't it? We, we can't wait to see him, can we, Mendy? He's, he's probably, is he the one that fans have been most excited about, would you say? I think they've been excited by his social media already. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a legend before he's even set yeah. foot on the pitch. I mean, Steven Gerrard doesn't like it, though. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big problem. It makes him more popular. <laughs> I thought Scousers were famous for their sense of humour, but well, clearly not. You know, it was a, a little disrespectful, Stu. Didn't you read it's it? Disrespectful. Mm. I mean, come on. You know, football's not that serious. We need to have a bit of fun. He wasn't taking the Mickey out of the lad. Um, he was just having a little bit of fun. And I, I, you can bet your life that when uh, when Lewis Dunk went into training on the Monday morning, the uh, the other Brighton players will have been giving him a little bit of stick about that. You yeah. know, it, was, it wasn't as if. It was a terrible error. It was just just one of those things that happened, and uh, Steven Gerrard sorted it out, mate. You know, he's just just because he had a really bad slip against Chelsea, which everyone's taken the Mickey out of since. Perhaps he's got a little bit raw about it, but anyway, never mind. Um, yeah. So, uh, but Mendy, yep, yeah, he he looked absolutely terrific against City last season mm-hmm. in the Champions League. So he's uh, everyone's really excited to see him. He's strong, pacey going forward. Um, pretty much what, what you got from Kyle Walker on the other side, but perhaps even that little bit better, I, I'd suggest. You know, Kyle Walker's a good player, very good player. Um, but from what we've seen of Mendy, he's, he's extremely exciting, and I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him for the first time. From speaking to people who've seen more of him than I have, I saw him in those games against uh, against Monaco, and he was, he was absolutely stunning, wasn't he? You could see exactly why Pep went for him. But from people who've seen more of him say he can be a little bit suspect at the back but I suppose it's just what you get when you've got a really attacking fullback isn't it you're going to leave gaps at the back yeah and City's approach is to always be on the front foot so you know they're going to score more goals than, than you and Mendy's should help to uh, help City keep the ball and keep control of the game it felt to me in the summer covering the the transfers that City had made Mendy was the one that the fans were really really engaging with and I don't know if that's just maybe a reaction to what they've had at left back for the past five years or so, but there does seem to be an unusual amount of excitement about a fullback. But yeah, it absolutely staggered me what went on during the summer because people are going on about how can you spend this kind of money on on fullbacks, <laughs> but that just sort of totally ignores the sort of football history of the last fifty years. We're not talking about fullbacks as they were; it were people who just stopped the opposition winger from playing. You know, as we've seen with Walker already to an extent, fullbacks, if you get the right fullbacks in, especially in the kind of system Pep Guardiola plays, they can transform the entire team. Mm. And if they get Walker and they get Mendy both flying, you know, that they will be serious attacking threats for City this season. They're essentially wingers, aren't they, with Guardiola? Yeah, absolutely. Who can defend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the defending side of it, I mean, Walker's, Walker's similar to Mendy. He's, he's a steady defender. He's not a great defender, but... City spend most of the game, most of most of their games on the front foot, and if if you if you're doing that, well, you know, two two fullbacks like Mendy and Walker are absolutely essential, especially with the system as well. De Bruyne, David Silva, Aguero, Jesus, none of them are spending the bulk of the time out wide, yeah. so um, Mendy and Walker are just going to have the whole of that, you know, the the flanks to to do what they do best. Stu, you talk about in-game management, and that's what we hear the best coaches do, don't they? It's, it's how they can change a game during the game. We can all set up our plan beforehand. I can do that. But as soon as it starts to go wrong, and everything was going wrong for City on, on Monday night, wasn't it? With a man down, going a goal behind when they were well on the front foot. But for me, it's gr- yeah, you need a great tactical mind like, like Guardiola, but it's, it certainly helps when you've got 
brilliant players on the bench, and he could the players he could bring on the uh, uh, Danilo Real Madrid player, um, Bernardo Silva, uh, who was the other one he, he brought on on the night. Sterling, Sterling, exactly another fifty million pound player. I think Harry Redknapp said, you know, it's great to be a uh, to make great substitutions when you've got the best players on the bench, and this is the difference, isn't it, this season with City? Because there were times last season you looked and you thought. Who's actually there? Who's going to change it? You thought Inacho maybe, didn't you? But Guardiola never, never fancied him, never really fit in, did he? Now he's got genuinely world-class players who can't get in the starting lineup, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's still still Gundogan to come back in, and, and once Mendy comes in, you know, the, there's going to be players who don't make the bench. There's going to be big players, big name players. I mean, you could look at it and say defensively they're still sharp because they, they've still got Mangala yeah, on the bench, yeah. which they wouldn't have. Everyone knows. City don't want Mangala anymore, they don't deem that he's good enough, yet there he is on the bench and they can't get rid of him until they bring somebody else in. We keep hearing Inter Milan are confident that they're going to get him on, on a loan deal, Mangala, but uh, for the time being City can't get rid of him because they've got nobody else as cover. Um, the three centre-backs they, they have got, uh, that they want, were all on the pitch. So, but yeah, but in general, it's true. I mean, certainly, certainly in attacking terms, they've got players who can who can change things, and that, that's where Sterling really came into his own. You know, he gave him that little bit of pace and directness, uh, and from the moment he came on, he put Everton on the back foot, and that little bit of momentum that that gave them, you know, it pushed them back. I'm surprised really because if I was Cooman, I'd have brought a bit of pace on myself. He had like Kevin Morales and uh, and Luckman on the bench, who are both quick. City aren't quick at the back. If he could have hit him with that bit of pace, he, he might have negated what Sterling was doing at the other end. He could have done with Lukaku, couldn't he? Well, yeah, yeah, no absolutely. I mean, that, that's that, I mean, I, I thought the young lad um, Calvert Lewin looked yeah. really good. Thought he played really well. Um, but yeah, that that was perhaps something that Everton were lacking a little bit. And if they had had a player like that, well, City would have had a real, a real difficulty if they'd have had a had a Lukaku still. But yeah, still, Sterling gave that impetus. Bernardo Silva came on and gave a little bit of quality, and uh, like you say, Danilo playing on his preferred side, that right hand side, he, he looked the business, you know, to the point that you think, well, Kyle Walker perhaps won't be missed that much when uh, when they go to Bournemouth and he's suspended. So yeah, that, that strength in depth is certainly coming apart from in defence, where they still need to to bring another player in. There were a couple of moments. It was, it was only fleeting. A couple of touches from Bernardo Silva that. It was just a bit of a reminder of the, when City played Monaco last year. And you thought this guy is class and he can do things in really small spaces. He's going to open people up. Is he going to start against Bournemouth? Who does he come in for, though? That that's the question. That's the problem with having mm. such a talented group of fourteen, fifteen players. You'd think he'll have to replace David Silva or De Bruyne, maybe. Um, De Bruyne hasn't looked. Will Gabriel Jesus change the yeah formation? yeah yeah um, possibly. De Bruyne hasn't looked amazing. I don't think in the the first two games he looked like he was going to start the season on fire with how he was in pre season, but he's um, he's dropped a little. So maybe a game out for him would suit. And yeah, it's where do you play him really, Bernardo? He says he can play right, centre, or left, so he can clearly you know slot in wherever Pep wants or needs him. Um, you feel like he will have to start a game soon, but then you'll, you'd say the same for Sterling as well because he's looked more impressive probably coming off the bench. I was sat next to a Merseyside reporter during that game uh, and as Sigurdsson came on, he asked me how much 
Bernardo Silva cost, and it was uh, around 43 million, wasn't it, for Silva? Mm-hmm. So pretty much yeah. the same as Sigurdsson. And I'll just say uh, his, his reaction was one of... Uh, <laughs> it was pretty clear which he thought was the, the better deal. That Silva one now, you look back and you think, City did really well buying him when they did, because the way, that, the way this market's gone, if you're buying him now, um, one of Monaco's best players... Well, he's 20 million more at least, isn't he? Yeah, that, that was the real bargain of, of the summer. And it kind of came under the radar. He just popped up in Manchester one morning and was signed that day. Um, yeah, I think he'd be at least 20, 30 million more if they were after him now. So whatever you've got to say on City summer spending, I think that is the, the real bargain for them. Looking at defence... Um, we're entering the final week of the uh, of the transfer window. City's still hopeful they might get Johnny Evans. Do we think that deal will go through in the next week? It's a tough one because I, I believe City have already made one bid, eighteen million pounds, and that was turned down flat. You know, I think West Brom value him at something like twice that amount. It's all, it all comes down to whether City are prepared to pay that or whether West Brom are prepared to to come down a little bit. I can't imagine West Brom coming down to be honest because uh, they, they've Why seen would they? exactly they've seen the prices that are getting paid uh, and they're saying well if Kyle Walker's worth 45 million going up to 50 million or whatever he was well you know Johnny Evans is is, is worth that kind of money you know they, they hold all the aces they've got no reason they've got no need to get rid of him mm. um, I know they've been looking at one or two players to bring in I think Kevin Wimmer from Spurs was one of them um, so you start wondering then well are they pre- preparing the ground for, for getting rid of Evans I mean Evans of course it's, he'll, he'll no doubt be keen on it he still lives in Manchester um, he'll want Champions League football he's 29, you know, he's experienced it before with United but he's, he's got a chance now to, to do it again all over again with City and everyone would want to play for one of the top clubs uh, he's been out with an ham, a hamstring injury which we've got to, we've got to accept the, the veracity of that, you know, that he's actually injured, uh, but he's due back possibly at the weekend um, so you know it's coming to a head how, how much pressure does he put on West Brom um, really if a player wants to go you're best to let him go in my book um, if, if, if tell if Arsene Wenger that well yeah yeah, but it, <laughs> we'll come on to that in a minute Arsene, Arsene, yeah, it's exactly the same situation um, but having said that you're not going to let him go for peanuts if you think a player is worth X amount of money you're not going to let him go for less just because he's, he's He's coming, to knocking on the manager's door, and saying, "Look, you know, I want to go." Since City dropped their interest in Van Dijk, we've been hearing they want cover at centre back. They changed the plans; it was now cover, not a marquee name. I don't think Johnny Evans will be cover. I think he's a quality, proven Premier League defender. I'd actually have him above Otamendi, to be honest. We know about the doubts about Vincent Kompany's fitness. I don't think he comes in as cover. I think he's going to be first choice. I don't think there's any such thing as cover. There shouldn't be. Not not, a, not well. a team of, of, of City standing. You know, every player should be competing for the place in the team. Um, having a player as cover is too comfortable. I don't think that that really that really goes anymore. And I do. I agree with you on Evans. Um, I was surprised that United let him go. Um, he had a little bit of a flat spell, and he, he wasn't in the team. I think it was Jones and Smalling, wasn't mm-hmm. it, were keeping him out of the United team. Um, United had a flat spell. It wasn't just Johnny Evans. <laughs> Absolutely, and I, th- I think when after his Van Gaal let him go, and I think afterwards uh, Ferguson uh, was talking not not to the media, but he he, he sort of let it slip. I think it was at a coaches conference that he uh, he told Michael O'Neill, the Northern Ireland manager, um, 
that he was surprised and shocked that United had let Johnny Evans go. So, mm. you know, I mean, I've heard Fergie's a pretty good judge of a player and he, he knew the lad, he, he knew him intimately, brought him, gave him his debut and everything. So he, he knew what he was talking about and uh, Evans has been, he's been very, very good for West Brom, you know, in, in a in a pretty average team. He's, he's been the most consistent and perhaps the best performer over the last two or three seasons. So When, uh, when City's interest became clear in him, uh, I tweeted that by the end of Fergie's reign, Evans had started to break up that partnership of Ferdinand and Vidic. I got a load of abuse from United fans. Uh, Vidic was injured, this and that. He played Evans ahead of a fit Vidic at the Bernabeu. So... Say what you like about Vidic's injuries that season. Evans had started the process of breaking up that great defensive pairing. That's how good a player Fergie thought he was. He also let PK go and kept him. And I know PK wanted to go back to Barcelona. Didn't have to let him go back. He, he kept Evans ahead of him because he really believed he was a top-class centre-back. And Guardiola's obviously seen that. He's, he's good on the ball. He's Most importantly for Guardiola as well, he knows the Premier League, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's, um, he's sort of a, a good player who had a few middling seasons but he, he's enhanced his reputation at West Brom Tony Pulis loves him Michael O'Neill loves him Fergie Brian Robson all have good things to say so yeah you can see him being in the in the first team ahead of Otamendi possibly I still think City are a bit light um, having had four centre-backs for two spots in the team it seems a bit strange to now have a maximum of four when they've got three and one of them is Vincent Company with his, his injury past so I still think they will be light if they sign Evans Even with one, yeah. 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 if he's going to be playing with three centre-backs like Stu was saying you look at that team that he put out on Monday and when the option is if someone breaks down Mangala who has long since been a part of their plans that just shows you that really like you say one isn't enough is it but no I mean you, he was talking before the Everton game about playing three at the back and saying that company's role on the right is the same as being on the right in a two-man defence. So he's kind of taken John Stones's duels and all those physical battles away from him and Stones is the one trusted to bring the ball out. You wonder whether Fernandinho or maybe even Torre will be um, asked or have to play that role to give the defenders a bit of rest if they don't bring more players in. I think companies look more like a fullback at times than the, <laughs> than the right side of a centre back. Yeah. I don't like him wide of that three. I don't like Otamendi in that either, to be honest. Neither of them have got the pace for it, that's mm. the problem. Yeah. You get a player going around the outside of them. We, we, we see time and time again if a player goes around the outside of, of Otamendi and company, unless, unless the, the wing back or the full back is, is, is dropped in, they're pretty much through, yeah. through on goal. Um, that that is a major problem that City have got. Uh, whether they play a play a back three or a back four, they've got not got enough pace. Otamendi's pace has been woeful at times. You know, um, he seems to get slower during certain <laughs> games. Um, but he, you know, he's a he's a he's a decent defender in a lot of ways. And I thought he had a really good second half against Everton. Um, and we know what company's attributes are. But again, he's not as quick as he used to be. He was never never the fastest, but he. He, he was never quick, and he, the, the old adage about having the first yard in his head, he's, he's still got that. He's a very smart player, and he'll, he'll make up for it with his positioning and, and his aggression and everything else. But if you get a player with genuine pace against him, um, the, there are wide open gaps. If you've got if you've got the wing backs pushing on, 
there are very large gaps down the sides of that, that City three-man defence. Um, and it's, it's something that they'll have to address and make sure of. Um, I think Liverpool absolutely destroyed Offenheim's three-man defence last night by, by doing exactly that, by getting Mane and, and get, getting him isolated down the sides of the, of, of, of the defence. So City are playing Liverpool first game back after the international break. Mm -hmm. If it isn't sorted by them, um, City will have a major problem on their hands in that game. That's enough about defenders. Um, people are only interested in strikers, aren't they? Are they going to sign Sanchez before the transfer window closes? Well, they still hope to sign him before the transfer window closes. I think they need Sanchez to put a bit more pressure on Arsenal and try and force a move. Wenger's said he doesn't want to sell him at all. Um, but he's also said that he's well aware that um, the board may take a different view if presented with a big sum. He's out of contract next season, so he'll leave on a free if um, Arsenal don't accept any offers un unless they win the quadruple this year and convince him to stay. But I don't think anyone expects that. I think City just need to get the bid in and... Uh, say to Arsenal we're willing to pay a lot of money for a player that you could lose for nothing and put the pressure on them to um, to accept. I suppose their problem is a bit like with Bernardo Silva where they got him on the cheap because this is now dragging on we were talking about 50 million at the start of the summer all of a sudden we're now talking about 70 million for, for Sanchez. Is he worth 70 million if he's out of contract at the end of the, at the, end of the year? Not for me. Not for me, but City have just got to sit back. For me, City hold the cards in this one because they know he's got one year left on his contract. Just sit back and wait, and somebody is going to crack in that Arsenal boardroom. Surely, you know they're going to mm. they're going to look at it in hard financial terms and say, "Look, we're going to lose this lad for nothing in a year's time. We can get fifty million for him now." I don't think City shouldn't have to go for seventy million, not for a player with a year left in his mm. contract. Just sit tight. It's a case of, of whose whose nerve holds. Um, I don't think City are that desperate for him. You know, he's, he's a great player, he's a world-class player in my opinion, and he'd be a massive asset, a major asset. But they don't necessarily need him. We were talking earlier about all of the attacking assets they've got. I know they're down to two, two people who you label as strikers in Aguero and Jesus. Um, but they've got so many players that you know they, they can play with one striker. Pep shown last season he's willing to play without any recognised strikers at all. So you know it's not it's not desperate to get Sanchez in, um, and with that in mind, just sit tight, just just say, look, here you go, there's whatever forty million, fifty million pounds, take it or leave it. And if Arsenal leave it, well, you come back in for him next summer and sack him for nothing. You'd be happy with no more strikers coming in. Doesn't seem like Guardiola is. No, no, I'm sure Guardiola isn't, and if he can get Sanchez, but I, I don't think they'd be absolutely desperate to mm. get him. You know, it's not like they. It's not, not the same situation as in the centre of defence where they, they, they do need a central defender. There's no doubt about that. Everyone can see it. They're short. Um, they've, they've got no, no alternative on the bench of any, of any great note. Um, but in terms of attacking, they've, they've got all kinds. Of, you know, we saw Sterling playing in a more central role. He can, he can play there. Um, Aguero and Jesus, obviously. Kevin De Bruyne has played in that position. Um, Bernardo Silva can play more central. He's not a striker, obviously, but, you know... Guardiola is a kind of well. I like midfielders. I don't. Mm. I don't necessarily need a striker. So looking at it from his perspective, he's he's not desperate to get another striker. In, I don't think. 
Sanchez must also realise that this is his big chance, really, because as much as we're saying, oh, they can get him for free next summer, they might not. That time mm. might have passed. You know, there's a... Well, Aubameyang last summer. But there's a lad no, called Lionel Messi summer. who might be available on a free yeah. next summer. And if you've got a chance of Messi or Sanchez, then Sanchez might end up not coming to, to City at all. So if he really wants the move, then he, he needs to push for it this, this summer, really. OK. Possible outgoings. Jaden Sancho. Do we think we're... Because he's a player we've heard about for a long time. Si, you cover a lot of the, the youth stuff, so you've seen a lot of him. He's a player who, for, well, for a good year plus, we've been hearing is going to be one of the ones to book this trend that they've got of not bringing through players from the academy. Do we think we're actually going to see that or will we see him do it for Tottenham, is what we're hearing now? I'd be very surprised if we see him come through at City. I think a lot of bridges have been burned... Um, him not signing his contract, them not taking him on tour, him not turning up to training. Um, City still maintain that they think they can turn it around and they you know, um, cite Tosin Adarabayo as a player that nearly left but was convinced to, to stay. Um, so City tweeted out about Sancho this morning, so you know he's still classed as their player and he's still under contract. Um, but I would be surprised if they can turn it around and bring him back into the fold. Tozin being used as an example of the fact that they can keep a hold of a player. And I agree with you, everything coming out of them is exactly what they were saying about Tozin. We think we can get him to stay. But there wasn't as much interest in Tozin as there is in Sancho, as in Arsenal and Tottenham. Certainly, you look at Tottenham. If you're a young player, you're probably looking at Tottenham and thinking, "That's where I want to go because that's where you're going to get a yeah. chance." And he's a London boy, whereas exactly. Tosin's from Manchester. Also, looking at Tosin and having signed that contract, does that put Sancho off? Because he's he's looking at Tosin and he's heard all summer that Guardiola wants cover at centre back. Well, what is Tosin if he's not cover at centre back? Well, I think ideally they were looking to get Tosin out on a loan to get him. You know, playing week in, week out. Um, that's now been put slightly on hold with the centre-back situation, a bit unknown. Um, so, kind of his individual needs have been put under that of the first team, uh, which is understandable given their situation. It's not ideal. Um, but, I mean, the other thing you've got Sancho to consider is that, yeah, he's been named in the, the England under-18 squad um, for the next few next few games but if he's not playing any football because he won't play for City and City won't sell him to someone else you know there might come to a point where he has to come back in order to keep his um, his hopes of playing for the England youth teams going A lot of it comes down to attitude as well I mean you look at I mean last season we all saw the three in the youth team who were exciting everybody were Sancho Phil Foden Raheem Diaz and right through that FA Youth Cup run and through the season, they, they looked fantastic, the three of them. Everyone was raving about them, and quite rightly, because it, all three of them have got all the ability in the world. But it takes more than that. It takes a little, It takes character and it takes attitude. And you look at Phil Foden. Foden has backed himself. He's saying, I'm going to get in that City first team. You know, And he's got that belief. He, he's, he's, thinking, what, he, he's looking at that City first team and thinking... I'd love it playing with those players and I'm good enough mm -hmm. to play with those players and it'll bring the best out in me. 
you just get the feeling with Sancho that he's looking at that City first team and thinking, wow, those players are good. I might never get into that team. And if you've got that attitude, you're not going to get into that team. And I, I think that, that is a basic difference. I think we saw it also in the FA Youth Cup final last season where City goes to, well, City breezed through to the final because they were so much better than the teams they played, even pretty decent teams like Liverpool. Um, but they uh, once they got to the final, they came up against a very good, physically strong Chelsea team, very well organised. Sancho, we didn't really see him. We didn't see him at all. Diaz, we didn't really see a great deal of. Foden was the one who looked like he was, he was going to do something. He scored the goal in the first leg. He always looked like the player who, who was taking it, that responsibility. It was a big occasion for young lads like that. He took, he took it upon his own shoulders and, and said, right, I'm going to show what I can do here. So again, I mean, I, I felt, felt perhaps that was a little bit of insight into the different mentality. I hope I'm wrong and I hope Sancho comes to his senses and, and sort of realises that, that that is, you know, Tex Foden as an example and think, you know, maybe he was watching him during the US tour and thinking, God, I wish I hadn't done that now. I, yeah. That could be me who's, who's sort of man of the match against United and, and so on. But you just worry that maybe he's, he's, he's gone too far for that, as, as Simon said. I, I think Foden is the poster boy for come come back to City and you'll get your chance. But I don't think you can blame Jaden at all for not thinking he'll get a chance or thinking he'll get better opportunities elsewhere. Um, I mean, Tottenham has to be appealing for any young player, doesn't it? When you see well, yeah, that Pochettino exactly. gives people a chance and they don't spend much money in terms of bringing other players in. City has spent the summer bringing in silver, trying to sign Sanchez. Yeah. Tottenham aren't doing that. You look at someone like Deli Ali and Harry Kane and think, well, they've been allowed to rise through and they're now the England players, the biggest, the big stars. It's a World Cup year. It's not that beyond belief that Sancho could break in and make a push. If you think what Rashford did for the Euros, he's not that far off that. No, Theo Walcott as well, getting his, his surprise pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... I just think, you know, looking towards the future, should Foden get a load of chances, then that will be Pep saying that youth gets a chance. But Pep didn't show much in his first year to suggest that they would. And, you know, looking back at the way Pellegrini was, we can't swear. So I think we'll just say that City's treatment towards the young players was, was poor. I'm not um, sure we can't swear. It's a podcast. We can't so <laughs> we'll find well, out. We'll find out next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll leave it we'll leave it there. But you know, looking at the way the lack of opportunities for, for youngsters, I don't think it's necessarily a, a lack of ambition to to look elsewhere. Okay, let's have a, a look at someone who is very much in the team, very much in Guardiola's plans. Um Guardiola somehow managed to sign another calamity keeper, hasn't he, Stu? According to some reports, anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, my, my initial reaction was it's gone through his legs. No keeper's going to be happy with that. But and I, and I tweeted something along those lines that he hadn't covered himself in glory. But to be honest, it was it was a defence that let him down. You know, the, the fact that the ball got into that position in the first place. And it's pretty close range. Uh, it was very close range, and it was struck firmly. If it had kept it out, it would have been great save, a truly great save or extremely lucky in that it would have struck him on the on the, the foot um, at just the right angle to bounce out again rather than bounce against the post and in. Um, so yeah, I think it was really harsh to and, and I'm including myself in this, my initial reaction in this, I think it was harsh to blame him um, 
for the goal but of course it's, it's a thing isn't it you know Manchester City goalkeepers is a thing it's become a thing hasn't it with Guardiola it's become a thing well it has yeah but it's, it's simply because uh, he came in and he got rid of the England goalkeeper mm. so everyone's like well know, he's had a great start it. to the season as well hasn't he <laughs> and it was, a, it was a major shock you know Joe Hart gets moved out Claudio Bravo comes in uh, he makes a rick in his first game in the derby and then it becomes an issue you know He's got rid of the England goalkeeper and brought in this this clown, which is again was totally unfair because we all know Bravo was a top keeper. Uh, you don't get to the position that he was in without being that. It's just that he had a, he did have a poor season. There's no no two ways about that. And then he goes out and spends a record British fee for another goalkeeper, and people are now looking for anything, anything that you know the slightest little thing. We saw it at Brighton. He came out for a cross. And, and wafted at it a little bit and then it was everybody was oh you know he's another one he's another bravo well no he's not you know just just give the lad you can't make that kind of judgment after one or two games you, you've got to you've got to give him a little bit more time um he had very little he had virtually nothing to do against everton let's face it and you're playing in a 10-man team and that was one of joe hart's things during premier league games he, he spent long spells with nothing to do then you get called upon all of a sudden to make a save. That's something that Bravo didn't do last season. He wasn't, you know, and that, that's what let him down. Whenever he got called upon, he wasn't making the saves. Again, he and must have been used to that at Barcelona, then, wasn't he? He would have had the same job as Bravo. keepers yep. at top clubs. That is the job, isn't it? It's concentration as much as anything else, because yep. you're going to be inactive for ages, aren't you? Absolutely, you are. Um, and Edison will perhaps have to adapt to that. I mean, he, his previous club, he, he you know, he was at a club that was dominant domestically, but he, uh, it's, it's a different kettle of fish in the Premier League. You know, he's got different challenges facing him, but he seems quite a level-headed character, and he looks great with his feet. You yeah, know, amazing. Which is, which is uh, was that one pass? Wasn't there? Who was it to, to it against? Aguero, wasn't it? Yeah, the length of the about field. eighty yards, ninety yards, wasn't it? Yeah. Although having said that, when I was playing left back for uh, for Cadiz at Albion all those years ago, I, I hit one or two of those. And they were actually just clearances that, that just happened to land on the striker. But I, I'll take full credit for them, and I'm sure, I'm sure Edison will as well. He, he looks to me, I think the big difference with him and Bravo, uh, and I take your point certainly on Bravo, but the problem was he never saved any shots, did he? So you're, you're in trouble when that, when that happens. But he seems to be commanding his defence a lot more than Bravo did. He just seems to be, he seems to have more personality, more character. Maybe it's because Bravo was a bit chastened by his start and then... It all went downhill from there, but he doesn't seem to be affected by anything. We, we saw the goal he let in against Lukaku, and then for the rest of the tour, he was absolutely brilliant. He's very bold, runs out, he, um, he challenges people. I think he's going to do. I think he's got everything you need to be a goalkeeper in the Premier League, personally. Yeah, I think that that goal that Lukaku scored was his his only real error that he's made, um, and better to make him in friendlies. Again, when that goal goes in at Everton, you kind of look at it and think, "Oh, is that um, is he at fault there?" The same way that you know Chelsea scored against Tottenham, you think is Larice. He was at fault. Well, yeah, you know the replay; it gets a lot worse when you look at it for for Larice. Whereas, um, you know, I think three City players were at fault for that goal, yeah. and none of them were Edison. And Rooney's not picked out. He's not Rooney's not seen this gap and picked out. The, the gap between his legs, has he? He's just smashed it. Oh, yeah. And Edison's yeah. just tried to so, make himself as big as possible. He's gone through. I, I, to go into sort of football in cliches terms, it, it's point blank range if he, yeah. if he stops it. 
So he's not a calamity, or we're going to be putting a pin in that no. now? No, no okay. I mean, it, I think that's a judgment to be made at the end of the season or, yeah. or halfway through the season, maybe. Um, but even then, I mean, Bravo's been labelled a calamity. He isn't. He no, isn't. You no. don't. You don't play for Barcelona and become best player at the uh, you know the South American Championships and and be a major hero in Chile for for what you've achieved by being a by being a clown. It's just a, it's just a nonsense. That said, no surprises though when. Guardiola decided he needed a number one. No, absolutely not. No, Bravo, Bravo had, a, had a poor season. He's, he's at the wrong end of his career. You know, if he'd have been a young lad like Edison, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, things would have been different. But you know, he's he's what 34, 35 or so. Mm. So you, you've got to start thinking about the future anyway. And, and Edison was a player that they identified quite early on as somebody they wanted. So it makes sense to go out and get him. And I suppose you just couldn't take that risk, could you, after Bravo's season? Because Guardiola knows the pressure's on him this season. If he's not 100% convinced that this keeper will ever get back to those levels, you can't take that risk, can you? No, and it's going to be incredibly frustrating and boring if at the end of another season we're saying, they look so good, but they let <laughs> opponents score too easily and they didn't take their chances, which was exactly what happened against Everton. Um, but I think I'm coming on to that. <laughs> the the idea will be that uh, Edison will be a lot stronger um, in that. It's funny Bravo looks sort of even smaller now warming up. You know he never sort of <laughs> commanded the goal, yeah. but it, now that you've got Edison, it's funny how just like being tall is a such a plus point for a goalkeeper. He, he did seem to shrink during the season, Bravo. <laughs> you, start, you thought yeah. when you first saw him, he's quite small. I yeah. think he was the smallest in the Premier League of him and Shea Given, maybe six too foot, small, yeah. yeah. And then he, he got smaller and smaller and he was uh, ended up behind the goal line. About the size of Warwick Davis by the time <laughs> the season ended, I think. Uh, it was deja vu all over again, wasn't it, against Everton? And to to an extent, Brighton, if that the chance he talked about a few moments ago when it, when he flaps at the cross, if Brighton had scored then you would have thought, This is just like last year, City dominating, one chance, one goal. That happened against Everton didn't it? You could tell, talking to Guardiola afterwards, he was really frustrated because there's almost a sense of, what more can I do? You know, We're absolutely battering teams. I've put out a team here that should be scoring a hatful of goals. We're not. Is there anything to be too concerned about with that? I know it's only two games, obviously. Um, only one where they've dropped points. But it's just in the context of what happened last season, isn't it? We, we saw it so many times. Yeah, I mean, when it happens over a short space of time, you can just put it down to bad luck. Mm. You know, we we saw that kind of thing happen under Mancini and Pellegrini, where where City would dominate and then the other team would score, and they'd end up maybe losing the game or, or scraping a draw out of it. But it, it happened too many times last season for it just to be just to be bad fortune. Um, and it, it is very difficult. You know, we've asked Pep Guardiola many times what it's down to. Uh, we've asked players what it's down to. We know that they've got the best finisher in the Premier League in the team so that shouldn't be a problem Jesus is a, is a good finisher as well they've got players from midfield who can score goals um, so he's, it, is, it is a difficult one to figure out and I'm sure if, if, if he could figure it out it, he, he would have done something about it I mean you suppose it has to come down to personnel in the end getting, getting the right players in the right positions I mean one, one little thing for me I'm not happy about uh, with City. Kevin De Bruyne, he came in, he scored a load of goals in his first season. Guardiola moved him backwards. Um, last season, he, he didn't score half as many goals. 
He created twice as many as he did in his first season, but didn't score as many. But to me, that threat that De Bruyne posed in that first season around the edge of the box, you know, I think you need that when you when you're a team like City who are coming up against ten man defences all the time. Somebody who can put the ball in the net from a distance. We we don't see an awful lot of that these days. They're trying to play mm. play through teams, and you've got to be very good and very very sharp. City are that, but even then, if against a well organised defence, it's still difficult to create chances. We know Yaya Torre can do it. You know we've seen him do it time and time again, score from outside the box. De Bruyne can do it. Uh, Aguero can do it from time to time. But when was the last time we saw City scoring that kind of goal, yeah. a twenty-five yard, twenty, even a twenty-yard goal? Color off screamer. Yeah, well, yeah. I Colerov did it about three times in his seven-year City career. Otamendi seems to have taken on that uh, that mantle, doesn't he? He had a go. He had a couple of goes, didn't he, on Monday? Yeah, that's worrying, isn't it? Though? He, he seems to be the one who uh, will have a bash from outside the area. But you, you do need that. It's an important part of a, of a team's armoury. You know, if teams know that you, this team are just going to come and try and play their way through us, it's easy. But if you've got players who are going to curl one in from 20, 25 yards. Somebody's got to go out and deal with it, and that opens spaces in itself. You've got to keep teams get guessing, haven't you? But uh, sometimes I do think it's it's they too try and be too too intricate, and they need to be a little bit more direct. But that's part of Pep's philosophy. He wants beautiful goals. He wants he wants like a fifteen man move that ends with a tapping um, because the team's been opened up. Now let's just have a have a have a dig sometimes. You know, a bit of an old fashioned English smash from twenty five yards. Sounds to me like they need a striker, maybe Alexis Sanchez. Uh, let's move on. We'll look at the game this weekend. Bournemouth. Uh, we're not expecting anything other than three points, are we here? Surely not. It's got to be three points. Bournemouth haven't started the season particularly well. City better away than they are at home. Should be looking to prove a point, um, so to speak, after that draw. You can't expect anything but a, a big City win, I don't think. Yeah, same. I mean, they've, they've dealt with Bournemouth over the last two years really effectively scored a hatful of goals against them at home beating them away comfortably it should be the same the only thing is law of averages would dictate that sooner or later Bournemouth are going to put up some resistance and it's going to be one of those tough games in the way that Brighton was you know in the Brighton were dogged and well organised for 70 minutes until the goal went in and then, then City bossed it easily for the, well they bossed the whole game but they, they looked dangerous for the last 20 minutes whereas the first 70 they hadn't really broken Brighton down, but yeah, you'd take it to be a comfortable, comfortable City win. They could really do with with a big victory. You know, I thought Brighton might be the one they might go out there all guns blazing and start the season. Didn't quite work. Um, Everton would have been a great one to do that in, but this this is set up for you know if you can win four nil, five nil away. United have done at the start of the season. It really sets you off on a good foot. So it'd be a, it'd be an opportune moment to to chalk up a big score. OK, let's end with predictions, Si. 4-0. I'll go 3-0. Well, I'll go 5-0. Cool. <laughs> OK, that's it for another week. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us.